0: Uh, But Jeremiah 51.11, Jeremiah 51.11, this is a fitting verse coming off of last week and for what we're going into today and next week. It says, sharpen the arrows, take up the shields. Sharpen the arrows, take up the shields. Let let me go to Isaiah 49.2 now. Uh, This is the context really for today. So last week we came off of the shield of faith. Take up the shields, right? Take up the arrows, sharpen them, take up the shield. And I think in both, in both wearing, donning the armor and walking with the Lord, as well as being launched to purpose, takes faith. The shield of faith takes faith, knowing he is our provider, knowing he is who he says he is and everything we talked about last week. But it also takes faith to step out. We ended last week, I think it was last week, talking about Peter stepping out of the boat and i believe that stepping into purpose stepping into destiny stepping into now trusting god in the process his promises are yes and amen which means it's his promise but it's our process so there's this thing when we when we actually are called to step out into purpose and actually launch as an arrow and hit our targets that it requires faith of stepping out and leaping out into faith to be launched so i love that verse and then we're connecting to the next one here but i love it, it says sharpen the arrows take up the shields and it's, it's funny because both require faith. Isaiah 49.2 says this. He made my mouth sharp like a sword. In the shadow of his hand he held me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver he hid me away. And, and today I, I feel like we're, we're changing seasons and it's this, this season change, right? Yesterday officially was the first day of fall. Any, any autumn lovers here? I know Maudie is. He's married to autumn, so... Sometimes I cannot prevent myself. I, it's, it's just there. So anyway, but we're changing these seasons, and I believe, like many of us, we feel like we're still being held. We, we're still in that quiver, but it's this amazing opportunity. When we're held in his quiver, we are being sharpened. We are being readied. We are being prepared. We are being um, formed in his image. We are the clay. He is the potter. And there's this season when we're in this quiver where he is totally taking care of everything we need for us to be launched. And, and I love this, this message because I think sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we compare ourselves to others. Sometimes we allow the enemy to convince us who we're not or who we used to be. We, we allow the enemy to allow us to be convinced that our sin is who we were, right? When that is not the case. All right? Your history doesn't define you. Your destiny does. God looks at your destiny, not your history. I love, I think it was Joyce Meyer. I heard it for the first time, so I'll give her credit at least once here. There's a reason your windshield is way bigger than your rearview mirror Because we don't want to forget where we came from because that's a story that's a testimony That's his glory, right? But yet it matters where we're going is the bigger picture And that's that's the case today because in this tension in this place that we're going to get to here in a minute There is a launching but in that quiver man that is the refining time That is where perseverance is being built. That's where character is being built. Coming off of last week, that's where I mentioned David. He wasn't ready to be king as a young child at the table, but he was commissioned to be king. You are commissioned for greatness. You are called to greatness. You are called to purpose. You are called to be more than conquerors, right? You are called for the great commission, Matthew 28, for the assignment, right, to to go into the world, go into all nations, go into wherever you go. In your going, make disciples, Lay hands on the sick, see them recover, right? Baptize people in Jesus' name. Like, there's these things that you are called for this purpose, but sometimes we're just not ready yet. Let me me move on here. Because there is this tension that isn't bad. See, sometimes we get impatient. We want to be launched. And if you're launched at the wrong time or at the wrong target, it's going to be ugly. How many archers do we have in here? A few. Okay. We're going to do some lessons here. When you, when you take a, a, a bow, you, you, you pull it back before it's launched. And I think sometimes we as believers, we as dreamers, we as, as people, we as Americans, we, we, we always wanna be launched and we get so impatient in, in, in this culture of busyness and hurry, we want it now, right? But there's something to be held back in that tension. There's something that sometimes it feels like we're going backwards, but sometimes you have to go backwards before you can go forwards. Sometimes it's that thing like David He'd take two steps back to make one step forward But let me just tell you this What we think is is like this trajectory up And it's this great road with Jesus And and it is But it doesn't mean it's easy And sometimes we're doing these loop-de-loos And it feels like we're on a roller coaster at King's Island Doing these backwards things and flips and all this stuff But let me just tell you You will reach your destiny with Jesus But it's not always this easy straight path Sometimes you might go backwards a little bit, but when you're pulled back in that tension, because tension isn't always bad, tension isn't just a balance. Tension is the, is, is the God working the good with the bad. See, sometimes a no is just a delayed yes building interest. We want the yes now, but sometimes his no or his delay is actually building a better yes. So, but, but if you picture this in an archer and, and the Lord pulling you out of this quiver of preparation and sharpening All of a sudden you're pulled back in that tension and now you're at the closest to jesus you possibly can be You're at the face of the father You're right there at the face of the father so that you can be launched But oftentimes we just want to be launched but if we don't take our time And we don't work that out And we don't work out that grace with the Lord And that, that, that wisdom and revelation And that understanding right All of a sudden we're launched And we are hitting these random targets That honestly it's, it's what I mentioned a few weeks ago We're hitting what we should do and could do But not what we're called to do We, we have these targets and, and let me just say like, like right there that's, that's what you're called to do The center of the target The Lord has prepared you He is, he is, he, he is summoning you He is calling you. He is redeeming you to hit that target. Let let me give you a reference. Talking to a young lady recently about dating and loneliness and feeling left out. All these things, right? But I'm reminding her of her destiny that God is preparing a husband. And it might be feel like rejection now, it might feel like a delay right now. But the Lord is preparing something far greater than we can ever see because we're just still in that quiver. There's something to be said about that that season. Listen, somewhere nestled between brokenness and breakthrough is this this transition that I call testimony. It's It's this transition called a story. It's this—it's this place of, of of this middle ground of of you, you know we're not where we're supposed to be but we're not where we're used to be, you know it's this it's this place of process it's this place of like don't rush into a miracle when God maybe has a process in the midst of it. Sometimes if He just gives us everything we're wanting and asking for right when we want it, there may not be that mystery and that longing and that dependency on Him. Are are you with me? There's this character building time, and it's this time where when I'm alone and I don't have that spouse or whatever it might be in that singleness, now I can grow dependent on God so I'm not codependent on a spouse later in life. Now I can have that relationship where the first person I go to with a problem is the Lord instead of my spouse. I can't tell you how many times, I grew up with Nicole, we're high school sweethearts, and I can't tell you how many times I'm having a bad day, or something bad happens, or or there's just something rough, and I call her first before ever taking it to the Lord. Shame on me. First off, for not having my first priority, my first conversation, my first dependency be the Lord. And second, for dumping and putting some of that stuff on her. It's this longing, but in the quiver, in that tension, in that transition, in that story, in that testimony, that's where it's the hardest. Let me tell you, that is where it's the hardest. But I believe the Lord is birthing something. If you're in a medical field, you'll know there's this, there's this stage of birth called transition. It's the most painful. It's the hardest. But guess what? All of a sudden, when you get past transition, all of a sudden, the baby's now coming. And now you've birthed life. And it's something very special, and all the pain, and all of the turmoil, and all the nine months, I've heard. I have not experienced this firsthand, no matter what culture we're part of right now. I have not experienced this firsthand, nor will I ever, or nor will ever any man ever. But... There's this thing called transition, and it's painful and it's hard, but the moment you give birth to that baby and you look at those eyes and you hold that living being and that breath of life that the Lord blessed you with, all of a sudden, every bit of pain, every bit of turmoil, every bit of morning sickness, all these things that I have no clue about are forgotten because you're holding something so special and so worth it. And then a year or two later, after saying for a few months that you'll never have another kid, you're considering having another kid it, it's like building a house you get done building a house, you're so tired and you're like, oh, or that big project or whatever it is I'll never do this again, and then pretty soon time heals some pain and some agony and some stress and turmoil and whatever small or big it might be and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm going to do that again like running a marathon, I'm never going to run a marathon again and then all of a sudden you're like, well, maybe, you know it's been a few months, my body's feeling good again maybe I'll run that marathon again maybe I'll do a full this time instead of a half you see what I'm saying but it's, it's crazy because in that testimony, in that transition is where we're built and it's where everything is prepared for us, for us to launch and straight hit this target, right in the middle. See, this is what we're called to. The outer rings is what we could do or should do or sometimes even way out here is what we just get distracted with. Like, like even here, like you're gonna get points for that. You know, even if you're talking animal, that's probably gonna do it, but man, there's nothing like that kill zone hitting it sweet right in that spot. I might get a little graphic today. I am a hunter. But it, it's this thing to where you're still going to get points for this, the could-dos, the should-dos, right? You, you know, what we're called to, I'm called to be a pastor here. But I should be helping feed the poor. I should be serving at the Declare Week this week. I should be doing those things. And I could be providing blankets to, the, to people in Dayton that winter is approaching and the homeless. I could be doing that. And those are great things. But it's not necessarily what I'm called to. We were having a conversation with one of our daughters this weekend that she's serving in like five or six areas in the church because there's needs. And I was telling her, I was like, listen, that, this responsibility isn't you. Just because you're a pastor's kid or even just because there's need doesn't mean it all falls on you. You're stressed out with school. You're going through all this stuff right now. How about you, you take a break from some of this? because she's getting caught up in what she could do and should do rather than what she's called to do and now she's tired and exhausted and not as good hitting the target for what she's called to do that's for all of us when we allow distractions to come in and and here's the other thing we get in this realm around all these other targets and we're like man sharon walt own a business maybe i should open a business no if you're not called to open a business do not open a business if you're not called to be a nurse don't go be a nurse If you're not called to be a teacher and you don't even like kids, don't be a teacher. (laughs) Like, seriously. If if you don't like blood, do not be a paramedic. If you don't like heights, don't be a firefighter. That is not your calling if you're claustrophobic, okay? Not your calling. Probably one out there for you, but it's not going to be firefighting. You can go on and on and on, but yet we start looking. Well, that looks cool. That person's doing it. I like that. They seem cool. I'll, I'll do that. Or this church is doing it. This is where I've fallen into this trap. This church is doing all this. What, what is our identity? Who are we? What is our target? And that's when the Lord gave me this picture of this message. And, and when I did this the first time, we had one big target up here. But we had all these little targets all over the stage. Because we collectively, when you're individually hitting your target as a kingdom influencer... As a believer, as a Christ follower, all of a sudden now we as a body are influencing culture in such a way that this church now, by equipping the believers for the work of their ministry, that is a biblical purpose of a church, to equip believers for the work of their ministry. All of a sudden when we're equipping you, when when you're going to Oasis, you're going through Thrive, you're, you're doing these things, you're getting equipped, you're coming in, you're getting fueled up on Sunday, right? To hit your targets through the week, whether that's family or a school or whatever it is. So now all of a sudden, we as a church now aren't focused on everybody come meet our target. We're going to do this in this country, or we're going to do this in Dayton. Imagine there's a big target there. Sorry, it used to be there. If I, and and all of you, all of you are amazing people, and I can guarantee you if we asked for all of you to start hitting that target collectively, for the most part, we would. We would. But that's not who we are we're not this church that says everybody in here should be serving in this way at this target we're a church that believes in dreamers that believes in people being equipped that believes in you being launched to your sphere of influence that believes that you are an influencer wherever you're at in your grocery store at your restaurant that you're eating at in your family in your industry whatever it is you get to reach people that we or the person next to you doesn't get to And some of you are called, uh, I'll save that for later, but when we begin to hit our individual targets, our big target here now encompasses everything because it's the kingdom. And guess what? When that church is meeting that need down the street, and we're doing our thing, and another church is meeting another need, again, collectively, we as the body of Christ and the beautiful bride of unity that we should and should be. Get to now expand the kingdom because we are in love, and it says how will they know that you love Jesus by the love you show one towards the other, by the love you show that other denomination, by the love you show that other body of Christ, by the love you show to the Baptists and the Methodists and the Nazarenes. We are not in competition here. It's not a competition. We're not competing with the church down the street. I'm not competing with my friends who are pastoring amazing churches. I ran into one at Tractor Supply, uh, Spoon, from, from Nazarene, Piqua, Nazarene. And, uh, man, what an amazing man. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so good to, it's so good to see you. I know somebody that came to your church, and I actually said they should go back to your church because they're not going anywhere right now. And he's like, oh, good, oh, who is it? And we talked about it, and this amazing person. And, and it's just this crazy thing because we're the body of Christ Who might thrive here may not thrive elsewhere and who thrives there may not thrive here We just want you to be in a body where you're thriving and growing and you're connected to a family doing things that you're called and part of Listen, let me just tell you this church is just not about you though <laughs> Worship is not about you Worship was never intended to be about you and tickle your ears and be the preference that you... Now, there's things that reach us. I like how they integrate old stuff with the new stuff. I I love that. That first song, man, that's so fun. That was such a fun song, but it was integrating so many powerful lyrics from old hymns. And it's a sing, because let me just say this, the power of his blood never changes. But worship was never intended to be about us. It's not about me. It's not, man, I, I, oh, I hate that song today, so, and they sang in the wrong key, so I ain't going back there. I don't know the key of heaven. I think it just sounds amazing. And I think no matter what key it is or how it sounds, it's a joyful noise, and it's pleasing and sweet to the Father's nostrils and ears and heart. Worship's not about you. Anyway, let me me move on. That's a different message, different time. Zechariah 9.14. Zechariah 9:14. Then the Lord will appear over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. And the Lord God will sound the trumpet and will march forth in the whirlwinds of the south. It is time to launch. Yesterday was a change of seasons, and I believe there's a change of seasons. I believe he's taking a season of moaning and groaning and a season of weeping to a season of joy. I believe, I believe we need to, like, there's, there's always going to be warfare, but a season of warfare into a season of joyfare. I believe there's seasons of depression and oppression that's been in this room and been in this body I believe there's seasons of trauma or sin or whatever It's time to move past that season and be launched And to hit your target and it starts with the refining in myself It starts with the with the righteousness within me the purity within me, right? And then all of a sudden i'm refined i'm 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 being taken out of the quiver I'm being held back in tension. Oh, Lord, let this story be for your glory. This pulling back, this tension, this difficult season, this hard time to be launched for what I was destined to be launched to. Go to 2 Kings with me, this. Because I believe this. I believe it's time to hit targets. It's time to be released. It's time to go. It's time to dream again. And it's time to have hope again. I believe some of you have been in a difficult, challenging season. I think some of you have been years. But God. It's time. You were called for such a time as right now this. You recall for such a time as this. 2 Kings. Now when Elijah had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elijah said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elijah laid his hands on the king's hands. You know you're not alone. Even when you're being launched, the Lord is with you. His hand is all over you. He's in intercession for you. He's already went before you. We've talked about that the last few weeks. It says this, and he said, "Open the window eastward," and he opened it. Then Elijah said, "Shoot," and he shot. And he said, "The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians and Apec until you have made an end of them." And he said, "Take the arrows. Now we get to this story. Take the arrows. And he said, And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five and six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had it, had it at the end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Now, it, it's a story of obedience and faith and and it's a story like first he, he drew the bow he did as Elijah said and, and he launched it right and he, and he took this thing and, and Elisha says okay now launch it eastward. he did okay now you'll 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 conquer the Syrians there but then he said now take the arrows and strike the ground and and, and here he is the king he's one two three and, and I don't know if it was this just entertaining Elisha I don't know if it was just this thing of boredom or like all right let me go through the motions here but either way he was not obedient to the Lord in the faith realm to strike at five six times I want to encourage you that that don't stop now it's not too late and don't stop now It may not happen on the third time you've prayed for that. It may not happen on that fifth time you've fasted for that. It may not be that one year of singleness. It may not be, you know, this next week that your kid comes to the Lord again. But maybe it's that fifth time. Maybe it's that sixth time. And I just want to encourage you in Corinthians, this verse here, it says, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't give up now. Listen, Last week, we talked about faith as a substance of what? Things hoped for, not seen. King of Israel, he's not seeing it, so he just stops. But but faith is a substance of things hoped for. Maybe it's that fifth time. Maybe it's that sixth time. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs, far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal listen god has called us for such a time as this not to give up not to stop at two three four five six there's even power in the number seven i was kind of curious like elijah why didn't you say seven that would have been so much more fitting for much of the bible right because if we think about, you know, I talked about the circumcision. I talked about the family and the generation of Joshua having to be recommitted and, and, and before they could go in the promised land and they circumcised themselves as a sign of covenant. Because he was saying like, listen, our fathers and our grandfathers paid a price for this, but us, our generation, we've not been circumcised. It's got to cost us something. And I want to know you got my back. It's going to cost something. So as they go through the, in, the, in the next chapter, they, they go to Jericho And it wasn't once It wasn't twice It wasn't three times Four times Five times It wasn't six times But guess what On that seventh time What happened The walls come tumbling down Naaman when he's dipped How many times Seven times There's this influence number Of seven Not to give up Like sometimes It doesn't happen The first time It doesn't happen The second time But let me just tell you this Your prayers Your petitions Your hopes Your dreams They're not forgotten about By God you're not forgotten about he's not forgotten your prayers some of us been so long and so so worn out you've even stopped asking I believe it's time to ask again I believe it's time to dream again I believe it's time that there is a breakthrough coming even though it feels like a breakdown right now I feel like there's being pulled back in tension in this place right at the father's face where he wants us for this launching let me finish this up Sometimes we miss the mark and and we need to launch again Sometimes we look back and we're like, oh, maybe i'm not good enough. Maybe i'm not worthy. Maybe Maybe it's me Let me just tell you right now. You were redeemed by the blood of the lamb You were purchased with a price at the cross You are worthy You are worthy You are good enough because he paid a price to make you good enough You were called for such a time as this you were called to hit these targets to be redeemed Oh, man Oh, geez. Let me tell you two stories here. Um, Somebody can come on the piano maybe or something. I want to tell you two stories, and it's the woman caught in adultery. You see, sometimes we miss the mark. Sometimes, like sin, sometimes it's just that compass where you're just a little off, right? But if you're you're looking at it in the context of archery, and you're a little off at 50 yards— all of a sudden, when you hit that mark, it's, it's inches or, or a lot off. So it's this thing. It's like a compass. If you start and you're, you're walking a mile and you just start one tick off, when you get to the end of that mile, you're way off. That's what sin does. But most often, why? is because it reminds us and tries to convince us of who we're not. That's shame. Shame convinces us who we're not when God's always trying to convince us of who we are in him. So it's this thing of like this tension of knowing who we are, but not walking in that sin So when we're launched all of a sudden sometimes we miss the mark Sometimes we're a little off, but guess what? There's a quiver and quiver always has more than one arrow So it's just a sharpening season again. It's a correction season now It's it's something where we get to get back on track and we and we come back And it might feel like we're going backwards again, but guess what? He's launching us forwards So it's this this thing. So this woman she's caught in adultery and I'm going to repeat a story, and honestly, I'm, I'm repeating it from somewhere I heard it. And this woman, she's brought before uh, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they, they bring in, Jesus is there, right? And and all of a sudden, they're, they're pointing out her flaws. And Jesus, I, I love Jesus. Like, I love Jesus, you know, but I love Jesus' wisdom in the Bible, too. Like, Like, man, how cool would that have been, like, just to be in some of these stories? So with your mind's eye, you get to go there, but... He's like, he who's without sin, throw the first stone. Because in that time, culture would have stoned her. He said, he who, who's guiltless, he, he who's perfect, he who doesn't have any, any jacked up issues, throw that first stone. And what you recall from the story is, all of a sudden, they just start disappearing. The worst thing we can do to anybody is take them off target and start to push them down and start to remind them of their sin, of who they're not, and bring up that shame, and bring those things. Man, we are supposed to be champions here in a family. We're supposed to call out the best in everybody in this room. We're supposed to call out the best, even in people, that we might be an EGR to us. Extra grace required. We're a family. Let me just tell you this. Sometimes Nicole's an EGR to me. I mean, when we were first married. I No, in, in general, I love you, but... bear with me. When we first got married, that woman wound the toilet paper from the downside. You know what else she did? She would squeeze the toothpaste like that in the middle. And then there'd be gunk all over the top of it. She would never wipe that thing off. Still to this day, she does not clean the ketchup bottle when it gets a little stuff on the top. Everybody just stretch your hands out to Nicole right now. I'm just kidding But we are called forth To bring out each other's destinies It's funny That the people closest to us Were the hardest on Your worst colors Show to the people you're closest to And are supposed to love the hardest So this woman's caught in adultery He who's without sin Cast the first stone They gone Everybody say they gone and all of a sudden, and I know I've said this before, but this is a powerful story for me. As much as I repeat it, it <laughs> hits my heart. Jesus gets down, and he starts to dig in her dirt. He starts to—we don't know the message he said. We don't know, but he wrote a message in the, in, the, in the sand or the dirt. And I think so many times theologians are trying to figure out what he wrote rather than the posture of what he wrote it. Think about this. He's down in a low posture of a woman who's wanting, who they're wanting to stone. And he's digging in her dirt. He's digging in her mess. He's not afraid to dig in our dirt, guys. He's not afraid to dig in our mess. He's not afraid to get right in that turmoil, that trial, that circumstance, that sin, that issue, and dig right in it. But I think this, too, and this is what I heard once. I think this, too. He was catching her eye person caught in a sin or an act it says she was caught in the act of adultery I'm sure that posture of shame is usually down and I believe it was also to catch her eye so when he got up her head was lifted because then he says this go sin no more you're forgiven you're redeemed I got you another story a woman with the issue of blood you know we want to identify these people as their issue right so we know her as the woman with the issue of blood Let me just tell you this you know she was healed why don't we call her the woman who was healed with the issue of blood and then it's it's this crazy thing because she didn't stop at two she didn't stop at three she pushed through this crowd this violent chaotic massive crowd and she says if i could just touch the hem of jesus's garment i'll be healed she had spent all of her money. She had went to all the experts, all the doctors. She was an outcast in society. She stunk. It was nasty. If I could just push through, if I could just touch the hem of his garnet, six, seven, I'll be healed. I love this part. I don't apologize for getting worked up on this stuff because this is my life. I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there when I felt like I had this mess carrying shame, and Jesus just dug in my dirt. She touches the hem of his garment, and all of a sudden, she's radically healed. And he says, healing and power left my body. Who touched me? Jesus feels you. Like, like it's not this distant thing where we're asking this judge up in heaven. No, he is near. He is right here. He is in us. He is with us. He's around us. And he says, who touched me? they have this exchange and i love this part he didn't say woman with the issue of blood you're healed he says this daughter listen that's the thing about that that place of tension in that story you're not identified of what what you're being refined in you're not identified by that issue you're not identified by that sin but you are identified that you are a beloved of the king of kings you're a son you're a daughter you're a child of the lamb of god you're his beloved and he says daughter Everybody say, daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Back to that faith, that, that stepping out in faith, that stepping out of the boat in faith, that shield of faith. Your faith has made you well. It's time. It's time to be released. It's time to hit our targets. It's time to leave a legacy. You were born for such a time as this. We got a really special guest here today. And um, Kim, he, he lives in Africa on the, on the Ivory Coast, um, Liberia, that area. And he has sold everything years ago, everything he had, and he answered the call of Jesus. And he answered the call to share the gospel in the tribes of that area who've never heard the name of Jesus before. So I would be absolutely honored, Kim, if you could just come up here and just send us off with a prayer and um, close us with prayer. And as he comes, I wanna read this verse. And you guys can stand. His target is Africa. That's his target. But you know, Kim, I've had lunch with him a couple times since he's been here in the States on furlough and reaching to the churches that support him. And, and, and outside here, he's still reaching people here. You know, I'm, I'm called to this church and to pastor, but you know my, my main target? My main target is my family. As much as I, I I mess with Nicole a little bit, you know, she's my number one ministry. My kids are my number one ministry. You, you're, you're second rate to that, just unashamed. You're worthy, you're great, you're awesome. But you don't take precedence over my family and my home. That's my first ministry. So, so Kim, he he's 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 got this call in his life in acts 1 8 it says this it says but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses where in jerusalem right judea samaria and where to the ends of the earth now his target is to the ends of the earth you literally are to one of the ends of the earth but we're all called to all of these areas right this is, this is my calling. This is the center of my target is my family and then here. And then it goes out from there. This week had a guy come over, a forester come over to look at my property. What an amazing man. And I just asked him, can I pray for anything? And opened up this exchange. He's like, man, you made my day. Just by praying for me, you made my day. That's, that's our everyday life. That's Jerusalem, right? And I would be so honored if you would just close us in prayer and send us in the way to hit our targets. Bless you. Yep.
1: What the Lord said to Jeremiah, he says to every one of us in all of history, let me read what he's saying to us. In Jeremiah 1, 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. And that's for every single one of us. Before we were born he knew us he set us apart he's appointed us and it's my first time in this church and I love it and what this church is helping you to do is to know your appointment know what you've been set apart for and to help you to launch out into that amen and so the Lord has great plans for each one of us and we look at our weaknesses. He gave us those weaknesses. Moses cried. He says, Lord, but, but I can't speak. And the Lord says, well, who made your tongue? So don't look at your weaknesses. He's given them to us, each of us, to be included into his purposes. No excuses. We can't be like the man without a talent or one talented. man and made excuse for his disobedience let me pray Lord God I thank you for this church and for the leaders I thank you for those the baton's been passed to and Lord you have a special purpose and will and, and reasons for the reason you've created us and lord i just pray you continue to have your spirit upon this church and the people of this church i pray for this new building that even more can be launched i thank you for your spirit that's here i pray for each of us lord that you show us our appointment what we've been set apart for and that we won't allow excuses and weaknesses and and idols to keep us from the purposes set. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice that's brought us our eternal salvation and in a permanent place for you. Break us from our love of this world. Break us from fear and idols. Launch us, Lord. Your name.